Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Derek. Jennifer. All right. How you guys doing? Doing well. Just kicked off Z Youth yeah. this it, past week, and so that was exciting. I got to say, it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back, Derek. Thank you. Glad thank to have you. you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. To all my fans out there, thank you. <laughs> all three of you are all so three. glad. Reagan, his <laughs> mother-in-law, his mom. Actually, there's probably like 40, and it's all his family. Now, the That's thing is, true. is people love Derek. They do. It's, I don't understand it. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not. I'm a little torn on why they love you so much. Just adorable. You are. I mean, that's, that's how okay. I get described. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it's uh, it's so good to have you guys here. Um, well, we didn't do it. I'm Jason. We, we did. did. Do it. Did we? No, I just said welcome to break the breakdown. No, I didn't say did I'm Jason. Did, did we? Did. Yeah, did we did. do it? We definitely yeah. did. Oh, I'm in a different position. I'm like sitting in a different seat doing a different thing. I'm the I recording like, guy. Sure, that's the reason. The universe just had a glitch. We yeah. just glitched. Did I? Did I actually, did I legitimately yeah. say that? So if I play this back, I'm going to yes. hear myself. Wow, I don't even remember doing I it. I said Derek. She said Jennifer. Did I say it? And then you started with the question. What? Yeah. I Wow. I full on glitched the matrix. Out, that's yeah. just crazy. Well, all right. So we're in our simple series. And uh, we talked about the resurrection last week. And so, Derek, you actually preached for this coming what? Sunday. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> all I right. Like I needed to say something. So, we but I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so, all right. So, let's talk about it. So, Simple Church. Well, first, let's talk about this. I got to hold on. This is driving me nuts. Um, when we think about this whole idea of simple, we, we talk about the complication that comes in church or in, in faith in general. Um, what do you guys think complicates church? What 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 do you think are some of the complications that we find that make church so difficult for people? It's people. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships, the brokenness of humanity, sin, the consequence of sin. Uh, what else? Basically, when it it just comes down to humans. And humans I would say, make it complicated. and then I would say, in order to navigate or put control on all of that chaos that mm-hmm. people bring, I think we like to institute policies, rules. traditions, rules, yeah. uh, procedures, whatever it might be, to kind of control some of that, and then it becomes complex. And then, as you are chasing after each individual person, you you develop a ministry to chase after that person to help their brokenness, and yeah. then it just continues to build on its point to the point where now the church is heavy. It's complicated. It's so hard to, to know what's going on. And we have things every single night and we're trying to get to everybody and we're stretching ourselves thin, that type of thing. So then so I you have no thoughts becomes, about this whatsoever. Have lots of thoughts about this. <laughs> you know, we've really been processing this simple idea for nine months. Yeah. It's really point. been a while, hasn't and, it? And um, yeah, there are a lot of things that get, <laughs> there are a lot of things that the church does that gets in the way of doing church. And that is the unfortunate and difficult reality of how do we still disciple? How do we love God, love others, and go and make disciples? I mean, really, those are our three commands. And those are simple to say yeah. and very difficult in practice. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think even um, I think even the idea of a church building comes with baggage. 
Like I know, I know even in our own community, we have some people who don't want to go to the dock. We have people who don't want to go to a traditional. Uh, we have some people who church has to look a certain way because it's what they're, it's what they're, they're comfortable with. And then on top of that, if you have people who've been wounded by church, like we associate church is not just a building, it's, it's the people in it. And right now within the world, it seems like almost every month there's some new scandal of a church leader who's hurt somebody or a church that's going through financial issues or a denomination. Uh, even if you're a non-Christian, non-Christians have lots of opinions about the church, which they then put on to Jesus. <laughs> so I think the complication really, I think it's all of this stuff gets complicated because it's the human element, but it's also my human element. Like right, absolutely. I, I bring, I bring a complication to the Yeah. Mix. There's yeah. that, there's that old adage. I, I found a perfect church and then I went there and ruined it. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, okay. So I got a joke for you. It's it's funny. So this uh, guy gets shipwrecked, right? And he gets rescued. And and the people look and they're like, hey, what's with the two buildings on the top of the mountain? Uh, the first one's my church. And he goes, your church? He goes, yeah, you know, I wanted to be, I needed to connect with Jesus, so I built the church. He goes, then what's the second building? Oh, that's my second church. The first one offended me, so I left. <laughs> And and this is the part is like you know even if we're processing, I no I get it. Okay, (laughs) you just were staring. I'm laughing that I'm. What I'm laughing because no one laughed. Neither of us thought it was funny. No, it's no, it's funny. But it's very funny because like that's what you think I, about. I, like he's yeah, shipwrecked and he's still I got offended at he's church. He's the only he's person on an island. Explaining yes. things don't make it funnier. No, yeah. shush. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, there's always something that will offend us in church. Yeah. And I think, and I'll just, I'll just There's speak. always going to be, and not even church. There's always going to be something that offends us with other people. Yes. And so well, and that's usually the gather, church. gather, which is the church, yes. where people gather, offense is likely to happen. Especially when in today's world, you can't have... Uh, common discord like basically everything becomes an argument and yeah. then it's almost to the point where like we can't associate because we disagree why why like of course you're going to disagree we're humans well they're now saying that right now in the united states our inability to have discourse is is has the potential to i mean they're talking the possibility of civil, civil war. war yeah i read that too. like that's insane that we are so not just in church and everything if someone doesn't agree with me we we can't just say i disagree now it's a personal attack. We politicize, we nationalize, uh, we institutionalize, we Christianize it. And I think all of that, and, and, and this is the part that I think breaks my heart, but I also, I see some legitimacy in it. The church has not helped that. Like we look in our culture today and people associate, and I'm not saying this is right, but people associate, if you're racist, you must be a Christian. If you're homophobic, you must be a Christian. Uh, if if you lean one, if you're Republican, only Christians are Republicans. And, and so now all of a sudden, the church has been connected to division. And I think the hard part is in some ways, they're not wrong. But I'll be honest, that's not my church. That's not who we are. It's not who I am. But I've now been lumped in with the loudest voices in culture as if, no, anybody who loves Jesus and goes to a church now must do this. And so now someone, you know, they, they look at our buildings, they look at our, what we're doing and they associate us with things that may not be us. That's complicating. And so uh, Derek, I, I got to tell you and sort of read through, I really love the, where you're going um, and talking about the uncomplicated role of church. So share a little bit about what, when you were writing, when you were thinking about, because you tied it back to week one, which was simple faith and the resurrection. Um, 
you simplify it for us again. And again, some people have listened, watched the sermon or listened to the sermon. We're at church, whatever. Other people's may not be, and they might just be tuning in. So share what, where you were heading, and where you came from. Yeah. And so actually I started out with kind of that thought that we all have a part to play, which is true. Like there's nothing, you know, that, that was the point that we all have a part to play within the body of Christ. But to me, I then had to, I had to go back even further of like, you know, well, what is, who's like, who, what's church for? Like, why do we want to be a part of the body? And so like, I had to go back even further, which I think we get to the part where we all have a part to play. There's the part of this uh, process that we all get to be a part of. But before we got to there, it, I had to ask the question of like, why, why go to church? And then once we decide that we want to go to church, who's it actually for? Yeah. And I think those were the kind of the questions we had to, we have to ponder. And so I did connect it back to your message the week before about the resurrection. Which got the Derek stamp of approval. I did. I gave the Derek stamp of approval because I agree <laughs> that. If Glad you agree with the apostle Paul. Yeah. Well. Or Jesus. Or Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it's one of those things like the, I do believe that the resurrection is the founding, uh, foundation for, for most of our, most of Christianity, or at least the, like even the theology behind most of it has to do with the cross and not just his death on it. A lot of people have died in this world. Actually, everyone has died that's existed, like, you know, except for the ones that are living right now. And so death even for a cause, it's not new. Like that's yeah. not a new thing. A lot of people have died for their cause, whether it be war, whether it be uh, politics, whether it be whatever it might be. However, the the, the resurrection, the, the the conquering death, the victory over death, that is something unique. That is something uh, that provides hope, a hope in the future of having that same resurrection when Jesus returns. And so uh, to me, I agree that, that that did. And so that's how I kind of based off where I was headed next with this is that who was the resurrection for? And I think if you tie that to the to this idea, you know, it's it's not just for the churched. Yeah. It's not just for the broken. It's not just for the good Christians or the bad Christians or the people seeking it. it I mean, it was for everyone. Like that's because we all had the penalty of death. Like that's what sin caused in this world. And so the resurrection is is that key component that unites us all. So we are all united in our brokenness. And that's where we find unity. So Andy, okay, so we read, we're, we've read two books. Uh, we read Simple Church and we're reading this book, Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley, who's a pastor at a huge church in uh, Georgia called North Point. And Andy Stanley's gotten into some flack. Probably about once a year, he'll say something that stirs Christians up and like bees getting wrestled. All of a sudden they're, they're stinging and complaining. And so he had a new statement that got people upset. And I did not, okay, I want to say this. I had not read this before I preached the previous week. So this was the, I'm going to, this is the paraphrase of the statement. He essentially said, the church didn't come to be, Christians didn't come to be because of the Bible or because of Jesus or religion. It came to be because of the resurrection. That without the resurrection of Jesus, there's no church. It's the resurrection that started everything. And, and so therefore we start with the resurrection and it's not, we're not Christians because of the Bible. We're Christians because of the resurrection. And people started, I started reading all the comments that people are calling him a heretic. And well, but without the prophecies in the Bible, you wouldn't have the resurrection. And, and I'm like, people, I think you're missing the point. There are lots of prophecies, but unless the resurrection fulfilled them. And, and I think here's the hard part, and this goes back to the church. And so I, I promise I'm bringing it back because it's not just a recapitulation of the previous week. That was a big word. I don't know why I used it. Um, 
I think you know why because I was thinking this word. I was thinking of the word recapitulate uh, in, in my sermon, and I chose not to use it, so it's been stuck in my brain. I'm sure it wasn't just the calendar word of the day. It might have been that too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but here's the thing: is like the church exists because of the resurrection. But you can't say, well, the resurrection, we know the resurrection is too because of the Bible. Well, if you don't believe in the Bible, then who cares that the Bible talks about it? There are lots of religious books that make promises and tell things. No, there's something that happened that proves, uh, not, not scientifically proves, but points to something happened. And it's the church. The gathering of saints who gathered together in that first, in Acts chapter 2. The gathering of people came together because just 50 days prior, they watched Jesus be executed. And then three days later, they saw him come back to life. And he then went out and preached to hundreds of people after he was dead. That resurrection is what brought people together. Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting that he got so much flack. I mean, anytime Tons you, of flack. Anytime you challenge the Bible, you're going to get flack, even if you're not. Even if you're unintentionally yeah. pushing against the Bible, you're going to get flack. But like, what I don't understand is like, Clearly, this was a part of God's plan. Like, he would have known that the miracles weren't enough to start this movement. Yes. He would have known that Jesus' death wasn't enough to start this movement. That's why the resurrection had to happen. That's why Jesus knew he was headed towards yeah. the cross. That's why That's why all the prophecies existed was because we needed this event. And so we needed the actual event. All he's, we needed something in history to so happen. All, it's, all he's doing is doing the thing God is saying we needed. So I don't know why Andy Stanley would have got a hard time for it because well, that's literally what happened and God's who had it happen. <laughs> I think the reason why they got upset, and this is, again, there must have been 2,000 comments on it. But the people that were all upset is they felt like he was saying that we don't need the Bible. And Andy Stanley is saying, no, but without the resurrection, the Bible's pointless. Like, I wouldn't care about the Bible if I didn't believe in the resurrection. If Jesus did not raise, raise from the grave, rise from the grave dead, the Bible, who cares? It's just another, it's just another religious book. I might as well read the... Uh, 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 the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita. I honestly thought you were going to say Harry Potter. I, yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter. I don't know why. I think the other thing, though, is I do think humanity has a nat natural tendency in our flesh to division. Yes. Yeah. Unity is actually much more difficult to a um, prioritize and emphasize and to, to live with the goal of unity in mind. Yeah. Have you ever tried to convince somebody of Christianity by quoting scripture at them? I have doesn't work. <laughs> but the resurrection of Christ, even if they don't believe it, there's something clearly happened. And the evidence of that something is the church. Like that is the, the primary evidence that we know something happened that day is that here we are 2000 years later and the church is existing. Um, you, you had talked about in sermon read through is that it's what, what unites us. The, the uniting point of church is that we all need Jesus. That that's that's if we're coming, if it's is it is it for the lost? Yes. Is it for the saved, the found? Yes. Is it for the broken? Yes. Is it for the person who thinks they're put together? Yes, because they think they're put together when they're is their brokenness. <laughs> their brokenness, that's right. Um when when you think about the uncomplicating, okay, so if you were to uncomplicate it, one one primary statement, um, what would you say is the purpose for church? How do you simplify church in a, in a simple statement for you? Okay, I'll preface it, and then I think I'll give the statement. So you're going to make it complicated. So yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. Well, I think so. Uh, <laughs> but I why why I want to give the preface is because I think it's important 
to realize that I think it is very, it's, it's, it's not a good thing when we have statuses in our faith. When, oh, because Jason's the lead pastor, he's got to have it figured out. Derek's a pastor, so he's got a little more figured out than Jennifer, who's a director. <laughs> and Jennifer has it a little bit more figured out than the person who's been in our church for 25 years in their faith versus the brand new person walking in the door. Okay, does everyone have different levels of maturity in their faith? Maybe. Do they have do different does Jason have more knowledge about the Bible than I do? Yes. Like there are things about Does that make me more like Jesus? No. No. <laughs> like there are a lot of these things that are true, but what brings us back to our core is every single one of us is just as broken as the next person. It may not be the same brokenness. It may not look the same and we may be better at hiding it, or maybe uh, some people are better at, uh, or situations just turned out better that they don't have to live in such a hard brokenness, but we all have this brokenness. And I, and so I guess that would be my uniting thing is that, uh, all of our brokenness, brokenness is in the need of a savior. Like we needed the resurrection. And, and, Every one of us. And if that uncomplicates us, and I, this is part of the thing for me that I love about the resurrection in the church, is, well, yes, our hope is that one day after we die, we will be resurrected again with Christ and have resurrected bodies. That's called the ultimate blessing, the ultimate hope. But resurrection still matters for us today. And that's, Paul talks about that, is that we're united in his death, but we're, we're, we're saved through his death, forgiven in his death, but united in his resurrection when we're baptized. I can experience resurrection daily. I'm a new person in Christ. Uh, to quote Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. And I think part of the problem that in my own life, I can't speak for anybody else, is that I forget that. I forget that the resurrection is something I'm supposed to live into every day, that I die to Christ every day and I rise again in Christ every day. And I, and I think this points us to somewhere. It's not just, yeah. I don't think it's just because uh, you already answered this last week. It's the resurrection. So I didn't need to come here and say, oh, it's also the resurrection for the church. I think it actually does tangibly lead us to how we look at ministry, how we look at hospitality, yeah. how we uh, provide grace for people, how we still speak truth into people's lives, like all these things viewed under that same unity of needing the savior, needing the resurrection are all of our brokenness. Brokenness puts us on a similar playing field. It's what you're going to be talking about uh, next week about how we have to lower ourselves to, to like lift people up the serving nature yeah. of God, simply serving, uh, yeah. simply serving. And so uh, I think all of that should influence the day to day, how we do things. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to forget, which is why I think the simplicity of this message is good or important is because it's the more and more we complicate, the more and more we forget that need. And I think we start to pull ourselves and put ourselves on different statuses, or we start to focus on the programming, the ministries, the procedures, the rules that aren't really important. I talk about it, about my my mom's couch uh, or her uh, dining room. Uh, that was a living room. It was a second living room that we weren't allowed to go into. It was a it was a really nice. We weren't allowed to sit on the furniture. We weren't allowed to throw our bags on the furniture, like because there were so many rules about it. We can't. We can't. We can't. Uh, and we we're supposed to stay out of there because we were, us kids are dirty. We'd get the furniture dirtier. We wear it out. But there and then there were no memories. There were no good things about that room. It was just an empty room we didn't get to use. And so. Were we missing the point? It was an idea of yeah. a room, not an actual we, room. I think we started to miss the point. <laughs> and I could see yeah. where the church, if we focus too much on all of these complexities, that we'll miss the point of what 
ministry is and doing ministry together in unity in our brokenness. So you know what I was thinking of when we were talking about that? Um, you ever watched like a, a crime show or a lawyer show? And when they're going to trial, if the opposing team doesn't want you or they, they want to keep things in litigation to keep it busy, they overcomplicate it by sending you all the files, even the files you don't need, all the garbage. And they bury the one thing that will simplify it. They bury it so you can't find it because now you're going to get lost in the minutia. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, and I think you actually said this in your message, I think we take comfort in complexity and complicating things because it allows us to hide. And it, well, it gives us the illusion of control. Uh, yeah, how, that's what you said. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was thinking about that and I'm like, man, yeah, all the different denominations. Now, I think there's beauty in denominations. I actually have no problem with denominationalism because there are some things within the Lutheran tradition that I really value and I think are beautiful. Uh, someone else may not, they may not connect the same way, but ultimately what simplifies church is not Lutheranism versus Baptist. It's Jesus. Jesus is the simplest thing that brings us together, the resurrection of Christ. Um, but sometimes I think we use our complicated theology to distract, uh, to keep ourselves safe, and also to separate. You're over there, I'm over here. And, and this goes back to the uniting theme of brokenness. What unites us is our need for a Savior, whether you're Methodist or Presbyterian or non-denominational or Catholic or Lutheran. All of us need a savior. And if we started actually thinking like that, I think we'd find a lot, a lot less division. That's actually Catholic just means unified. Uh, that's all it means. It means one. It's one church. Uh, universal is actually technically the term. And I think what would happen even in Zion. Okay, so let's, let's talk brass tacks about where Zion is. We're two communities, one church. We have a traditional service and we have the dock were the contemporary services, but we're still one church. We're, we're two communities, one church. Sometimes I think we can get so caught up in what, what our differences are instead of the one thing that unites us, that keeps us grounded. And it's not a worship style. It's not an age demographic. It's not a building. Um, so Jennifer, from a discipleship perspective, you know, we've talked about that. Your whole message is about brokenness is what brings us together. How does this fit into discipleship for you as you think about missional communities, which are things that I know are passion, they're passion for you? How does that brokenness and finding ways to unite us in the resurrection and our brokenness, how does that connect with discipleship for you? I think, you know, it kind of comes back to that illustration of putting pieces together to make something beautiful. So it's, it's the Japanese plate, whatever that art is called, or it's the Lego set, where it's like each individual person is a piece of the like is a piece of the puzzle is a piece of the kingdom is a piece of the church and that brokenness comes together to through Christ to develop something better and redeemable and good and something that the world can look at and go yeah that looks different and I want a part of that yeah. and so for me the discipleship comes into you know I've seen about missional community groups as um, they share a leadership team. So the missional community groups have at least three leaders, a leader whose job is um, spiritual formation, a leader whose job is community, and a leader whose job is mission. And for some, of, several of our groups are doing it, with, you know, for some of them who are married, they're doing it with their spouses. So some of these groups have six leaders. And, and what I think is really cool about that is we get to exemplify, the leaders get to exemplify unity on a smaller scale 
but still a very difficult scale to because to even be unified for the direction of your group with five other people is still a very difficult task to do. And yet that models the unity that Jesus prayed for. That models the unity we want to see in a group because it is in the end, I'm not sure you can um, follow Jesus and become like Jesus if you aren't laying down, laying yourself down and and really desiring unity in your group. And so um, I don't really know if that answers your question, but I think it's an important component. And actually just in the groups that I've um, been raising up, like that theme is coming up a lot because we all have our own minds made up of where it needs to go. We have our own, you know, directions of how we think it should be. And um, yeah, the ultimate goal is that we don't be the thing. We don't go the place we think we need to go and we don't become the thing we we think we need to be, we seek Jesus yeah. and to become the thing that he is asking us to do. And we, we look at him and become more like him together. And we challenge one another to say, I'm not sure that is Christ-like. And so that's where the discipleship comes in. When you, when you, um, uh, what's the word? Like basically when you prioritize unity, like follow Jesus and then be unified. Yeah. Right. And if those two things are your goal, the all, uh, you are going to become more like Jesus. There is a discipleship that will occur in your own life and with other people. You pl- Go ahead. All right. You're, you're, you pointed something out to me. I don't know if you've been to, but uh, it's it, it's an image I got from what you're saying is this idea that like, you know, I think we all have our brokennesses. We all have our things that we hold on to, the things that uh, are, what well, I don't like it could be our politics. It could be our causes. It could be our, our opinions, whatever it is. We have all these things. Okay. I think it's easy for us to unify under one thing. I think it's easy to say the resurrection or Jesus or whatever it is that we are willing to push forwards towards. The hard part is as we're moving forward to be more like Christ, are we willing to give up these other things? Uh-huh. I think that's the hard part. Yep. I think that's the hard part that we that's going to be the challenge to your visual communities. That's going to be a challenge to us and our faith and everything is like, yeah, I agree on that, but I don't want to give up that. I don't actually want. So, okay. So I was going to teach on this next week and I decided not to use the verse because it's very complicated and trying to connect it was getting to be too hard. Well, let me rephrase that. Not too hard, too complicated. (laughs) Um, so in Acts 15, you could do one called simply complicated. Simply complicated <laughs> could be the fourth one. So, but, it, but it actually connects really well with this. So in the in the early church, remember the early church was made up of Jews, and that meant they were all Jewish. Oh, and part sure. of being I, yeah, part of being Jewish was circumcision, obeying the laws, food you eat. Okay. So now as the church is growing, it's going to the Gentiles, and Gentiles aren't circumcised. They don't care about the foods they eat, and they don't they don't honor the Sabbath. They don't follow the laws of Moses. So, of course, it was only natural that the Jewish Christians are like, well, if you want to be a Christian, you need to be Jewish first. Well, Paul, who's going out in his primary mission field as the Gentiles, people, Gentiles are blown away by the gospel. The gospel is like, oh, my gosh, I need this. Yes, this Jesus thing, a resurrection makes sense. And then goes, oh, uh, then all of a sudden these Jewish Christians come in and say, but if you want to be saved, you need to be circumcised. And immediately like, yeah, I don't. I love Jesus and all, but I don't. I don't know that I'm in for that. <laughs> no, I get that. Like that's that's a big obstacle. So they start having a debate. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, who are on mission together, they're missionaries to the Gentiles. They start arguing with these religious Jews. Why? Because the Jews don't want to give up what was important to them. Circumcision was important to them. The idea, and and for them, I get it. Like the entire Jewish identity is, I'm circumcised. You are not. I don't eat certain foods. You do. We have the law of Moses. You have nothing. 
And so this was their identity. So they go to the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And Andy Stanley talks about this in Deep and Wide. I love this. He, they, they go to the, the church or to the council in Jerusalem, which is made up of the apostles. Peter and James are the two heads of it. James is the head of the council of Jerusalem. And they say, hey, they're, they're there to share what God is doing among the Gentiles. And immediately one of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Christians, Pharisees, which sounds weird, but there were, there were Christian Pharisees, stands up, which here's what went through my head. I could totally see this happening in a church. You're having a you're having a congregational meeting and somebody gets upset because they don't like what church is doing. Somebody stands up and says, yes, but the Gentiles aren't circumcised and get upset. And this causes a massive debate. The apostles, Peter then gets up and goes, wait a second. God said that the gospel was always going to go to the Gentiles and he's made a way. Look, he's doing it now because of faith in Jesus. And, and then I. He goes, why are we making this so difficult? And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. It's already tough enough to follow Jesus. Why are we making it harder? And then the council decides to make a decree to all the churches, Jewish or Gentile otherwise. You don't have to be circumcised to be saved. It's simply faith in Jesus that saves you. However, don't eat meat sacrificed idols because that's going to mess with your Jewish brothers. And don't be sexually immoral. But that's not a salvation thing. That's a, if you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. It's that simple. And I love that Stanley does that. Okay, so now here's where I was going with this. We get so caught up in wanting to fight for our rights and the things that we like about church that we forget the purpose. The purpose is to see people's lives radically changed by the gospel. And, and this is going to go into next week's when we talk about that service idea. How can I lovingly serve somebody when the only person I'm thinking about is what serves me and what I like? Well, I don't like that. I don't like this about church because it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, but it's winning this person to Jesus. And, and if we're united in the cross, if we're united in the resurrection, the last person I should be thinking about is what I get out of church. I actually ask myself that question a lot lately. Is like, am I getting in the way of the gospel? Yes. I keep wording it like that because I think that's an easy way to to frame it. It's like, am I doing things that are going to prevent people from wanting to follow Jesus? Or at, at youth, am I preventing these kids with my rules or my whatever it is I'm doing? Am I preventing them from experiencing who God is and the gospel that yeah. they need, the resurrection that they need? Uh, so I just think that's an easy way to frame that similar to what you just said. And I think about it this too. I think about, you know, taking up your cross daily to follow Jesus. What does that mean? That means you have to put other things down. Yeah. And I think I can't carry my cross and carry something else at the you, same time. You you either cho you choose which way you're going. And and it is a daily decision. It's a minute by minute decision to do that. At any moment I can put the cross down and pick something else back up. Yeah. And I think about um the scriptures come up a lot lately and I think actually you preached on it a couple weeks ago even, but just when Jesus um who did he say this to? To Peter? Was it to Peter? You do not have the things of man. Yeah, it's Peter after yeah, he said, you. I will never deny you. You'll yeah. never die. You'd, You'll never, never die. die. Thank you. You do not have the things of God in mind, but the things of man. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that from my Lord. That the things that I'm thinking of are selfish, human only things. Like, yeah. I want to, I want to think kingdom minded um, and the things and the things of God. And so the things of God means that I've got to put aside my human desires yeah. to pick up something that's greater and, big, and bigger and harder. Like yeah. that's the hard part is like following Jesus is harder than not following Jesus. Yeah. I think I just had a conversation with somebody who was sharing some complaints 
And and he was very loving and kind about it and wasn't mean. He's just like, hey, and I share some of the concerns. Help me understand why are we doing this and people are upset about this. And, and I said, here's the thing. The decisions we're making are made because when we look at the culture around us, we're finding that the people who are wanting to come to church are looking for these things. More and more people are wanting these things. So this wasn't just that we did it because we like it. It's because we're trying to reach people the best way we can. And sometimes the people who usually get offended when you're trying to reach non-Christians are Christians. And that goes back to Andy Stanley's thing. The reason why people don't like him is he's always thinking about the person who doesn't know Jesus. But let's take that back to your message, Derek. It's not about whether or not I know Jesus. We all still need Jesus. And I forget that. So now all of a sudden what I think I need are the things that make me feel comfortable. I need my coffee. I need my donuts. I need my, I need my, I want this type of music. I want, I think a sermon should be done this way. I think a building should look this way. And that's not limited to any, that's every church. That's whether it's the dock, the traditional space, the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church. Our human nature complicates because now all of a sudden we forget, no, 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 we're here for Jesus. And now all of a sudden I'm here for me. And I have to crucify because it, and this was the, in talking with this brother, I, I said, Here's the thing, if at any point I'm finding that we're getting in the way of the gospel because of the decisions we're making, then we're going to change. But that's why we have a team. That's that's the beauty of a team dynamic because that does I don't hear the Holy Spirit perfectly. And so that's one of the things that I'm grateful for for Derek, Megan, for Jennifer, for Kate, for all of our staff. We have we talk a lot about this stuff. Like these aren't just quick decisions when even the idea to go to simple. Like we wrestled through, okay, why are we doing what we're doing? And how do we simplify church so that we're actually accomplishing the thing that God called us to? And I know, because Jennifer, you you and I both, Derek, there were things that we really liked that we had to be willing to set aside so that we could focus on the let the one thing be the one thing. And I think that's what I loved about your message, Derek, and where you brought it, is if you simplify church, Coming down and realizing we're all broken people in need of Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're saved or not. You're still needing Jesus. And that's what church does. Church unifies us in our brokenness. It brings us together in our need for a resurrection. All right, last closing thoughts before we we call it a wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Oh, I thought you had another question. You're just asking if we have have any final thoughts. Any final thoughts? thoughts? No. Oh, that's what your joke about the two churches on the hill was about. Oh, I get it. I don't know. It's funny. Uh, that was that was good, Derek. I liked that. Okay. I didn't get it. I'm not laughing. I didn't see that. that. Uh, no, that's I, my last thought. Sorry. I, okay, I, I actually I'm 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 not bummed that I'm not there because hopefully I'm I'm enjoying them doing a vacation with my wife and some friends and I'm very excited about that but I I'm I know God's going to use uh, what you're bringing because I know you spent time with the Lord on it and um. If I could close with one thought, it would be this. I really have enjoyed this simple series because it's forced me to simplify things because even in my own thought, I still complicate it. And so being able to put down in a simple thing, what is my, what is faith simply? What is church simply? What does it mean? Why do I simply serve? What does that mean? That's been helpful for me. And I hope it's been helpful for you. Do me a favor. If you found this podcast helpful, share it, send it to somebody. Um, we still, we love when you rate, whether if you're on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else, your your rating actually helps us know where things are and how you feel. Even if you don't like it, if you're like, this podcast is horrible, write that. I don't care. But if it's if it's finding, if you're finding something that ministers to you, share it with somebody. We hope it encourages you in your faith. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. 
I'm Derek, but P.S. Mom, I do love your style and your couch was still pretty. Even though I didn't like the room. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm Jennifer. And to honor Kate Hoppel, we love you, Bob Goff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown.